Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, everybody. Thanks for being here. I'm Brett Rosenthal, your host. This is a show about quantum mental investing. It's the combination of quantitative execution and a fundamental foundation, and together that creates the information edge that I try to share with you every time I come on this channel. Thanks so much for being here. This was a big month for us in many different ways. We're going to unpack some of that uh, today. Of course, I'll get to questions and answers at the end, um, so feel free to load up that board, and then we'll go through them. But first, I just want to share some thoughts. Um, Of course, the ground rules. Right. This um, information that I'm sharing with you, I use my own personal portfolio and for investors, I manage money for at um, interactive brokers. We have an affiliation there. Um, Of course, don't forget. Give me a thumbs up if you enjoy this. All right. And you can subscribe either to this uh, YouTube channel or the armorreport.com, both the free version and a subscription to become an insider. And as an insider, You're going to get access one-on-one to me. You're going to see what stocks are in our three separate portfolios, conservative, balanced, aggressive, where we buy them, the prices, the stops. We've got profit protection stops, raise stops, and principal protection stops, and we adjust them constantly to help you manage risk. This is, after all, the ARMA report. It stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. Right? So I try to begin and end all of my investing decisions by looking at the risk. I want to put myself and I want to put you on the right side of probabilities and statistics and only put capital to work when the reward is worth the risk. That's what we're trying to do here. So we're going to talk about Gilead. Right? We're going to go over the remdesivir announcement. We're going to talk about gold. You've got to have an update there. Right? So we keep keep seeing that bull market progress. I'm going to share with you thoughts there. We're going to touch on the cannabis couch. I'm going to go over canopy growth for a second. Okay. Then I also want to just share some thoughts and philosophy about the market direction. You know, there's a lot of talk and concern about will we go revisit the lows of March and how fast will that happen? So I'm just going to share with you some thoughts about all of those issues. Let's dive right in. Um, This has to be a victory lap. The month of April was unreal for Armor Insiders, myself personally, and anybody watching this channel, if you're following what we're doing, you've got an idea of how we're running money, right? We got long aggressively um, starting in late March. And I shared with you and anybody who's part of the free subscription to the Armor Report Action Alerts, you can just go to the, right there's the website, armorreport.com. I sent you guys a report, talked about it on the 21st of February, that there was something wrong with the market. Told you on the 24th, which was the first day of the market crash, we're raising cash everywhere. By the end of the week, we were 100% cash, right? And then I shared with you, the three things that, would, that we were going to see happen that would get us to start putting money back to work, one of which was the Fed supports the bond market. 
literally within that week, the Fed came out and said, we're buying corporate investment grade bonds. We're buying LQD. That was the 23rd of March. That was the day, as all in Armour insiders know, we started buying gold aggressively, right? So we bought gold stocks and gold bullion, okay? And then a couple weeks later, another one of those three things that has to happen for us to get more and more aggressive is we have to see a treatment come out. And then I added a fourth thing later in the month of April if the economy opens faster than people think, the markets will churn higher. And so, of course, this week, really this week, the past week, we've been seeing more talk about the economy opening in May. It's starting to happen. Whether you like it or not, it's happening. Okay? Um, and then we've got the remdesivir treatment turns out to be successful. So I'm going to share with you my thoughts on, you know, why we were buying Gilead on the 27th of January. This is about quantum mental investing, right? I always talk about the quantitative side, stop losses and rules and algorithms to help us manage our risk and execute correctly. But it's just as important to do fundamental research. And after doing the research on this desk, I came to you and explained in January that remdesivir, in our opinion, would be the first treatment approved. That was the 27th of January. We were buying Gilead at 63.83. Okay. Stocks over 80 now, as you all know. And we just got the announcement on Friday after the close that the FDA is going to fast track approval to get remdesivir to everybody. I'm going to share with you information I gathered off of the conference call that I think is important. They had an earnings announcement a couple days ago. Okay. And I'm going to show you the chart pattern that helped us get into Gilead. So it's all one big piece. I'm going to walk you through that. If you would indulge me. Now, Armor Insiders, you guys indulged me earlier this week, and I really appreciate it. So forgive me that I'm doing this again. But for everybody else that subscribes to this channel, I really want to share some thoughts with you. Um, and so just indulge me for a minute. I am going to read to you the first stanza of my, really my favorite poem. And it directly addresses how we should look at success and managing money. So please bear with me. It won't take long. The name of this um, poem that you see is called If by Rudyard Kipling. I'm just going to read it to you. If you can keep your head about you, this is important because this is what you need to do when you're managing an equity portfolio. Okay. If you can keep your head about you when, okay. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated. Don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good or talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet triumph 
and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Now, we've had a huge month, a month of April. Armor Insiders participating with us, our own portfolios, the money we manage, and hopefully you watching this channel for the last few months have been able to grasp some of that and be successful. We have to treat that triumph just the same as disaster. They're both imposters. You can't get a head that's too big. You can't th start thinking you can predict the market and what's going to happen next. There's no crystal balls here. This is about putting yourself on the right side of probabilities when the reward's worth the risk and doing research and gathering information and then knowing how to act on that information. That's what we did in Gilead. Let's put it all together real quick, and then I'm going to share with you what I think is happening next in Gilead. So take a look at Gilead's chart, and thank you for indulging me there on that little bit of poetry reading. I suggest you read the rest of that poem on your own time. I, I, think, it's, um, I think it has merit, and it's something I have uh, you know, up on my wall. Okay, so what you're looking at here is the chart pattern. So we've gone over chart patterns before, and I've showed you Gilead's chart pattern. This was a, um, one of our top three favorite charts that we look for. And I shared this with all Armor, um, free Armor Action Alert subscribers. If you didn't see it, if you subscribed and didn't see it, check your mailbox. Check all your different parts of your mailbox because I sent it this past week. There's three patterns we look for, my, our favorite three. There's others we use, but cup and handles, um, five-step uh, um, five rectangles, and then the downtrend. We look for a year or more of a stock in a downtrend and then apply a Fibonacci fan and sequence, a fan a speed resistance fan, which is what these lines are here that you're looking at, okay? The yellow, the green, the teal. These are speed resistance fans. And the theory goes when you break above the third fan, the downtrend is over and a new uptrend is beginning. Now, you can see down here in the bottom right, we were buying the stock 63.82. So we were buying before we broke that third fan line. But you could certainly see where this box is green. That was the fight that went on uh, at the beginning, right around uh, 70. And when it broke above that, now you're in a new uptrend. Okay? So this is important to how we're going to handle this stock going forward. Now, um, the research we, we did, and I have to give a shout out to one of our Armor Insiders. She knows who she is. Perhaps she doesn't mind if I say Jasmine. Wonderful job. You helped in that research. Okay. Um, we recognized that this product would be successful on coronavirus. And the news is out there for all of you guys to do research on. If you dug like we were digging and do your own research, you can find it. Right. Um, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I didn't go hire doctors and, you know, call a bunch of, um, you know, chemists. I just did my own research on our own work. Okay. Um, so what's happening now in the stock? On the one hand, I thought the stock would be a lot higher by now. Because let's be honest, we got the news we were waiting for. This is the baseline of treatment. This is now going to be, as Fauci says, the standard of care. Um, 
if you listen to Fauci and other virologists, this is not the kind of thing or epidemiologists, is that the right word? This is not the kind of thing where something's going to come out better and we're not going to use this. They're going to be using this and then applying other treatments on top of it, like a cocktail. Just when it comes to fighting viruses, you often need more than one uh, drug to, to really have a major, uh, major impact. So this has a major impact. You know, I think you're going to see it's, it's even better than we think over the next couple of months as more data come out. Okay. But here are some thoughts I have for you on Gilead. There's a lot of naysayers. People say they're not going to make any money on the drug. People say um, it, it, didn't, it didn't do enough. Um, you know, all these naysayers, let me just tell you, have been saying nay since 6382. So clearly they know nothing, right? We've made a lot of money on the stock already. Okay. So, um, you know, the bag we're holding is green, right? We're bag holders in Gilead. Proud of it, right? Making a lot of money. Already taken a lot of profits off the top. Now we've earned the right to take the risk to carry this position further. I always like to say that. I like to earn the right to take the risk. So should you initiate a position now at 81? I don't know. That's up to you. You can make that choice. Maybe it's not a bad choice. But the time to buy the stock was 63.83, right? And now what we're doing is we've earned the right to continue to own that stock as it turns higher. Um, important information off the conference call. Number one, is, and they talked about a lot of things. This is what I think is important. I'm going to boil it down, share the information that speaks to me and I think speaks to institutions. First of all, three analysts came out and downgraded the stock after earnings. Right? These guys have never liked the stock. So I don't really care what those people say. They've been wrong all the way up. We were originally buying the stock. It was on the Armour whiteboard in the 60s because it's a great company that's in the midst of a turnaround, having nothing to do with remdesivir, okay? The stock is worth owning, having nothing to do with remdesivir. They have a cash cow that's helping them fund acquisitions, that's helping them build themselves into a pharmaceutical company of power, okay? They have many different products that are proving successful. So we believe in the management team, we believe in the pipeline. The company's got tons of cash in the balance sheet. They're paying, a, well, at the time, it was a 4% dividend yield. Okay, the dividend gets paid in June. Right? It's got all the hallmarks of a stock to own in a normal environment. Now put on top of that potential from remdesivir right now and in the future. This is a drug that works on coronaviruses. Okay? Dr. Fauci explained that it actually attacks a particular, I think he said, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, um, an enzyme that stops the virus from being able to replicate. Okay, so it's here to stay. and It's going to be good with other viruses. So let's address the issue that they're not going to make any money. Okay, they are going to make money. They have donated enough vials to treat 150,000 patients. That will be used up in the next three months. Okay, so do I care that they're not going to make money in the next three months off of remdesivir? I don't. I don't. I want to own the stock anyway for the rest of their business. 
And I understand that these, this, these vials are being used for compassionate use. They're being used for collaboration with other drug companies that will be used in a cocktail. They're, they're being used for phase three trials. It's just, just cost, that's just the cost of, of, you know, cost of goods sold. It's just the cost of building um, um, a drug franchise. And it buys them a lot of goodwill for doing the right thing. Great. Well done. Now, analysts were upset. There was like five different analysts asking the same question five different ways. What's the profit margin on the drug? And the management said, guys, three days ago, we found out the drug works. We, we don't have the business model set up yet. We will tell you in the next three months. By the next conference call, we'll have already told you what the profit margin is going to be. So right now, the question is, do we want to still own the stock? I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly recommend to buy, to buy a stock. Do we all understand that? Are we all grown-ups on this show? Okay. This is what I'm doing with my own capital for people I manage money for, for Armor Insiders. We do want to still own the stock, right? Right now, analysts hate it, and analysts think they're not going to make any money on it, and the profit margin is going to be terrible, okay? I believe we'll find out over the next three months that there'll be a decent profit margin, that they'll be using this as a franchise. They're going to leap from here and build out other products. On the call, they said they already see the ability to turn this into an inhalable product, which is much more effective than intravenous because it puts the drug right into the lungs, which are having the problem. So we'll see that news come out in the next few months. We're also going to see news about trials that have, that have um, completed in mild to moderate cases. So if the drug works on people that are on ventilators that are about to die, it's logical to assume it's going to work even better if you catch it earlier in mild to moderate cases. It's logical. I don't know anything, right? I could be wrong. But it's logical, and I've earned the right to take the risk and carry the stock into those announcements. I think they're going to be profitable. I could be wrong, but I think that it'll be successful. It's a logical conclusion. I'm putting myself on the right side of probability and statistics when I, when I say that. Okay? So the company will make money on the drug. We'll find out in the next couple of months. There'll be other trials that come out that continue to corroborate the success. And they're going to be able to turn this into probably an inhalable product. All of that's bullish for the company. In the meantime, I pick up the dividend. I don't own the options anymore. I don't want options. The risk of remdesivir failing is off the table. So now I'm ready to own the stock again and collect the dividend while I wait for this story to unfold. Okay? One more thing to look at, and I'll move on. Um, Take a look at this chart pattern. You're going to see this uptrend line. This green uptrend line right here is following this, this um, 50-day moving average, okay? Clearly, at every, every time it pierces the 50, going back to when we originally bought the stock, it finds support. I mean, it's so clear. It's, it's unbelievable. The tails that come down and touch the 50, and it shoots higher, okay? Let me blow it up for you so you can see it a little bit better. Okay, see that? Every time it touches the 50, it rockets higher. Now, what that means to me is that institutions are accumulating the stock. That's how institutions do it. 
They put out, you know, they're buying millions of shares of something. They can't buy it in one day. So what they do is they put, you know, buy orders in constantly at certain prices, following up moving averages, using volume weighted average pricing. VWAPs, right? Time WAPs, TWAPs, they call it, right? And so they're constantly accumulating down at those levels. It's smart to behave like an institution. If you see the stock drop down to the 50-day, that's where you look to add to the position. If it closes below the 50, that's your stop. Okay? You may, I, I'm not saying you have to wait for it to get down to the 50. I'm just saying if it gets there, that's the place to take a shot because that's where the institutions are supporting it. Okay? Um, so let's move on from, from Gilead. We had a huge month in precious metals. Let's talk about gold for a minute. For those of you who don't know or you're new to this, this, this channel, this is the day we were buying shares of Newmont Mining. This is the 23rd of March. We were buying Newmont on the 23rd of March when the Fed announced they were buying corporate bonds. Okay? The asset has ripped higher. All right, we've booked a little profit up here, but we're carrying a big position. Now, this is something I wanted to talk to you guys about who are following me, whether it be through this channel or, you know, on a more close basis, Armor Insiders. I, I could do everything for you when it comes to how to buy stocks, how to learn how to buy weakness in the midst of strength. That's what we were doing in Newmont, right? Nice big uptrend, weakness. We bought it on the 200-day, okay? No brainer. The risk reward was right. We bought the stock. And I can share with you uh, principal protection stops, raise stops, and profit protection stops. But what I'm not going to do is tell you when to book a profit at a target when it's skyrocketing. That's totally up to you. It's a personal endeavor. If you're a swing trader, you might have sold the whole thing and booked a profit already. If you're somebody who buys and tries to hold as long as possible, you haven't sold any. If you're me, I'm kind of a hybrid. I like to trade around the core, I like to say. So I have a core position I might hold. So down there on the 23rd, I put 10% of my portfolio in Newmont. That's a huge position for me, right? Normally 5% is a core, okay? So when the stock skyrockets, I book some profits. I still have more than 5% in Newmont, but I've carved it down, trading around the core, okay? Also, when you're following the ins insiders, you're in the Slack room every day, and I'm telling you what I'm doing during the trading session on the desk. And I tell you if I'm looking to buy or sell something. Um, I'm looking at the total portfolio exposure, and I don't know your exposure. As an, as an insider, you can call me and ask me, and you'll tell me your portfolio, and I'll share with you my thoughts on how I would handle it. But if you're just watching me in the Slack room, as all Armor Insiders are allowed to do and participate, um, if I say I'm reducing some exposure across the board in, let's say, the metals, I might have, in fact, I did, 60% of my capital invested in the metals. That's enormous, right? That's way too big. Normally, I won't put more than 25 or 30% in any one group, right? So I'm more than double what's normal. That's because we're in a non-normal market. We had a unique opportunity at the end of March, um, when the Fed was, you know, uh, opening the spigots. So I took a massive position. So when I'm selling the position down booking profits, 
if you only have 15 or 20 percent of your portfolio, let's say, in the metals, you don't have to do what I'm doing. Okay, so please be advised. If you want specific um, thoughts on your portfolio as an insider, you have the right to call me. So just pick up the phone and call me, and we can go over what you've got, and I'll share with you what I think you know, uh, might be a good plan for you. Okay? Um, the gold report. I told you guys last week, the last, the last couple days of the month, every single month, depending on where the options are, where's the sweet spot in the options, you got to look for the takedown. So most of the time, the sweet spot in the options if the market's in an uptrend is lower. And so I told you guys starting the week that 1696, 1696 was the price that we thought, the spot price that we thought gold would hit by the 30th of April because that was the sweet spot. And it was trading, of course, above 1700 right up until Thursday and it got whacked over a one-hour period right down to that price and then flatlined. This isn't, this isn't magic, guys. It happens every month. All you have to do is understand <laughs> options expiration, see where uh, the imbalances are, and you can figure out where it should trade. Now, does it happen every month? No. Maybe three out of 12 months, it won't, it won't do it. It'll just blow right through whatever the situation is. But most of the time, Gold will come down to that price. And it didn't do it all week. And then on the last day of the month, boom, they ripped it down. And it was a scary day because then all the stocks sell off hard and everyone's panicking, right? And then Friday, we're getting new highs on some of the stocks in the portfolio. I mean, just as an example, Newmont is off from its high, but, you know, wheat and precious metals just blew out to new highs again, Okay. This is a stock that has 60% of its um, uh, exposure to gold and about 40% silver. It's a royalty play. All the royalty plays did real well on Friday. Franco Nevada is another royalty play. And of course, Royal Gold is a royalty play. Okay, but clearly, Wheat and Precious Metals was the, <laughs> the runaway winner. All right, so what do we think is going to happen this week? We're past the shenanigans of options expiration, and we go back into the bull market that we think we're in, right? Um, I think I told you guys that Monday was supposed to be a bank holiday. They're not doing that. There is going to be a price fix for gold on Monday in London, and it looks like they've pushed it out to, I think, Friday of next week. Um, so, you know, I expect the pressures to continue to build um, in, the, in gold and silver in a positive way starting next week. So it was a bit of a pause, and now they're going to go higher. What do you do from here? Guys are asking me. I don't have any exposure. Can I buy it here? Again, it's very hard for me to help you I, I'm in, in this regard. I'm not telling you not to do it. First of all, I don't know you, so I couldn't possibly give you advice. Remember that. But for people who ask me, Armor Insiders might ask me, I don't have any exposure. What do I do? Um, on the one hand, I say the time to buy it was the end of March and early April. New stocks are in the, uh, in the stratosphere now. So you don't come to me for advice to buy high and sell higher. You come to me for um, structure and learning how to buy weakness in the midst of strength. So um, uh, having said all that, I think the fundamentals are wildly bullish for gold and silver. So, uh, you know, I guess, I, I'm, you know, 
I, I can't help you with that. But what I what I would say is gold. I'm hoping these stocks will make like a some type of a pattern up here, a structure up here that I think is viable again. And I'll let you know if that happens, like a high tight pennant that lasts more than a week. I mean, like a real, you know, maybe they build a base up here or maybe they wait, just go sideways until the moving averages come up to them. And then we can say, yeah, take a shot here because if it closes below the 50, we get out. We know we have a, we have a, manageable, a manageable stop. Okay. We don't have any manageable stops at this level. So, um, I can't help you with that, but I do think the assets are going a lot higher, and I think silver is ridiculously undervalued, um, particularly if the economy starts to pick up again. Silver tends to be dragged down by industrial metals, and we're starting to see a bounce in uh, some of these, like copper and whatnot. And if we get that bounce, we should see silver uh, start to move higher. Harbor insiders have been asking me about small cap gold stocks, and I am going to update you on a couple. I've been doing research. I don't look, I'm never going to come on YouTube and, and talk about a small cap stock guys. And that's not, um, um, I don't mean to disappoint you, but I don't ever want to be the guy on YouTube who seems to be touting small cap stocks, right? That's just never going to be me. First of all, they carry a lot more risk. So I don't normally advise small cap anything for most investors um, who are trying to manage their risk. And um, I'm never going to be the guy who comes on YouTube and says, buy this stock, which I already own, and you all get excited and drives the stock up and I sell it. Like, I'm never doing that. Okay? So as an Armour Insider, I will tell you, I'll add the portfolios, the aggressive portfolio, and I'm doing research on companies. This is what I'll share with you on YouTube. Okay? You have to do your own research. Um, um, as, a, as a YouTube subscriber. What I will share with you is I'm looking for small cap names that have properties, this is key, adjacent to big cap companies that I love. Take, for example, Newmont Mining. Love Newmont Mining. There are some small cap companies that have properties adjacent to some Newmont finds, which make us feel two things. Number one, we know gold is there. So this is not some wild cat in the middle of nowhere. This is a company that's got a property in, in close proximity to a property already producing. And if that company can turn that into a, a producing um, mine, very often, big company buys the little company. Okay. So there are some companies we're working on and I will share it. If you're an armor insider, just give me some time. I'm looking because these stocks haven't moved up aggressively yet. Right, The first wave of a bull market, you get the big cap institutional names that skyrocket. The second wave, you get some of the mid, mid cap guys. And maybe the third wave, you get some of these small cap names that just go you know, ballistic. So you don't, you don't put a huge amount of your money there, but you put some money there. It's almost like a call option. And if this bull market keeps rolling, eventually they get to those small names and they can skyrocket. So I'm working on that. I'm doing research. I'll let you guys know in the Slack room when I'm doing it, and I'll add it to portfolios. Um, I know I'm going long here. Let me just – a couple more quick thoughts. Okay. Um, this is a couple quick thoughts about the market, okay? Um, I don't care about pundits that keep talking about past markets and try to predict what's going to happen next. Be very careful. 
whether you're watching them on TV or you're doing your own research online, you find somebody who has a fancy chart that says, look at what happened here in the last 10 times. That means this market has to go down. We are in a completely different market. Be very careful that you're not looking at static analysis in a dynamic world. Okay? If those other 10 examples that they're showing you were during periods of time where there was mega, massive, colossal amounts of liquidity, then maybe it has merit. Okay? But right now, we're in a time of more liquidity and stimulus than any time in history. So using past examples to predict what's going to happen next with the market is a major mistake, in my opinion. It's best not to predict. It's best to use structured approach with stop losses, put capital to work. Don't guess what the market's going to do next. If you have a bunch of positions on and they all get stopped out because they hit profit prote- uh, principal protection stops all at once, you know the market's going a lot lower. You raise cash, you get hurt that week, okay, it stinks, and then the market goes a lot lower, and you put that cash to work at more advantageous prices. We just did that in February, right? February 24th, we started raising cash, and we got whacked for a couple days because we raised cash in one account 100% on the 24th, but then over the next couple days, we were getting out of the rest, and it hurt that week. But then, of course, we had huge amounts of alpha three or four weeks later. Okay, so you don't have to predict. You just follow a strategy that you create when the TV's off and the market's closed and execute ruthlessly, okay? Um, Tight stops versus uh, um, uh, relaxed stops. Um, Because you guys are asking me a lot about this in in the Slack room and what stops do we use? So in a market where the Fed's reducing liquidity, I'm gonna use tight stops. In the market where there's an unlimited amount of liquidity, I'm going to use more relaxed stops. Okay. I'm trying to hold things longer if I can. I want the market to prove to me that it's going to collapse back to the lows of March. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think it's happening. I'm not going to fight it. Right. It hits my more relaxed stops. I'll go to cash. I'll have a bad week and I'll go back to cash and I'll say, Hey, you know what? I had a huge run and I gave some up off the top. That's okay. I like to say this, guys. Um, I look at my net worth at the end of the day. I see these huge profits have piled up in April. It was lots of fun. But at least a third of those profits are phantom. They're just fluff. Until you literally book the gain. If your stop is down here and this, uh, you know, your trailed stop is down here and the stock is up here, you're going to lose some of that fluff. So make sure you re, re, um, program your mind at the end of each day. What do, I, what do I really have? I could probably get out of this, and I'm probably going to give back 25% to 30% of the profits. And if you don't like that, then you've got to book some profits right now. Take some money off the table. Okay? And then follow the rules religiously and follow those stops. All right. Last thing I want to say, and I'll get to questions. Um, rule number 25. Rule number 25 on the Armor Investing Rules of the Road, all Armor Insiders, all subscribers to the Armor Insider Report, you can go look at the Rules of the Road. Rule number 25, very important. 3% three days. Three is a very important number in technical analysis. I can't tell you why. It's just human, you know, technical analysis at the end of the day is human psychology. It's, 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 
you know, that's why Fibonacci sequences work on the market because it's nature, it's nature and herd mentality. And so what I wanted to say is the market sold off hard Thursday and Friday. Okay. Two days of a, of a sell-off means nothing to me. Nothing. It's totally normal volatility in an uptrend. Three days in a row, we've got a problem. Three days in a row, potentially we've got a problem. Okay. So I didn't adjust the portfolios too much at the end of the week, just because we had a couple down days in the market and they were vicious down days, but we live in a world now where three to 5% volatility is normal on an index every day. Okay. So to avoid getting whipsawed constantly, we have to figure out what the right stop is. Two down days is not going to get me out of the market. Now, if a stock hit a stop, that's different. But most of the stocks in our portfolio, the stops were not hit. They weren't even, they're not even close. Okay? So if we're down at the close Monday, that will concern me. That'll be three down days in a row. Um, and, and so it doesn't mean the market won't be up day four, but I'll start to think, hey, maybe there's a bigger sell-off coming here. Maybe there really is going to be a retracement. I don't think we're going to go see the lows of March, but a retracement that would be healthy for the market. So what will happen is that if we're down at the lows again on Monday, we're going to be stopped out of a bunch of names. The first two days didn't get us to stops, but goes down again big on Monday, probably going to be taking us out of stops, raising cash in the portfolio. Our gold positions look phenomenal. So, you know, that part of the position stays on and has nothing to do with the market. It's doing its own thing. Okay. So anyway, that's my thoughts uh, on the market for you. And I guess I'm sure you guys are going to ask me about, so I'll take the first question. And the first question is going to be, what do I think of canopy growth? All right. We talked about it last week. It's trying to break that third downtrend line. Let's take a peek at it. I promise I'll get to your questions next, but I'm imagining I haven't looked at the board, but I imagine someone's asking me about Canopy. Okay, so Canopy is following the same type of pattern as Gilead, right? So we've got more than a year of a downtrend, which is what we look for, okay? And we're about to break that third downtrend line. We tried to break it. We came right back to test it. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you test it, okay? And so what happens next week is very important. If it holds and rockets higher next week, then we've got a trend change, and I'm going to be very bullish on the stock. Okay? So what happened on, on Friday after the close, and I'm going to give a shout-out to another Armor Insider who really made me aware of this earlier in the week. Well done, Erez. Right? Well done. Um, Constellation Brands exercise warrants bought more uh, uh, canopy growth. They're up to 38.6% ownership. And if they exercise all of their warrants, they're going to have 55.8% ownership. Okay. They continue to believe that canopy is going to be a very profitable business. And they're going to the point, I don't know this at all, guys. Okay. I have no idea if this is right, but it seems to me they're following a path to eventually just take this company over. That's my guess. I, I could be wrong. Maybe not. They'll just have controlling interest at 55.8%. But um, what have they done? They got rid of uh, Bruce Linton, the CEO, who didn't know how to run the company. They put in their own man, who was the chief financial officer of Constellation Brands, 
they put him in the CEO of Canopy to get this company right. He told us, the last earnings announcement, that this six-month period, he's cleaning house. He's going to be reducing workforce, closing growth facilities, getting this company in a cash flow positive position. And he's going to give us his vision for the company at the next earnings announcement. I think he'll also reveal the drink that we're all waiting for. Okay. If all that happens, I think the stock goes up from here. I'm not telling you to buy it. I don't know you. This is not a recommendation. Okay. We're all grownups. This is what I'm doing for myself. Armor insiders know what we're doing. Okay. Um, but obviously that was a very bullish announcement. I, I don't know how bullish. I mean, the stock gapped up in the aftermarket. The news came out and the stock was trading above 17 um, in the aftermarket. I don't know if it's really bullish. I mean, we hope that they would do that. It would be bearish if they didn't, right? So they exercised, you know, warrants and got stock at, at, at cheaper prices. I think it was around 12 or something, right? Um, or that 12 Canadian, so it could have been even less U.S. So uh, bullish. It's bullish. The stock should be up. We'll see. If it was, it was up in the aftermarket, we'll see if it's up Monday morning. Um, that continues to be my favorite way to play cannabis in Canada right now. If, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If we can't make money in cannabis growth, we can't make money in any of these names. Okay, so I keep focusing there. And if we get this right and we start making money there, then we can branch out and do other things. That's my thought. All right? Let's get to questions. Thanks for bearing with me. Thanks for giving me your time and your patience. I appreciate it. All right, I'm going to go to the top and just look for it. Politics for dummies. Do you think the halving of Bitcoin may lead to high? Okay, I'm not a Bitcoin guy, okay? I think if you want to own Bitcoin, there's so much money that we're going to make in gold and silver and the gold and silver mining companies all the way down to the small cap names with, with infinitely more liquidity and, and infinitely less guessing, I don't know why I'd ever want to take a shot at Bitcoin. That's just me. That's just me, right? You know, I'm about reward risk. I'm about liquidity, you know, managing risk. Um, so if you believe Bitcoin's going a lot higher, then you've got to believe gold is skyrocketing. And the kind of money you can make on some of the small cap gold stocks, you know, might dwarf whatever's going on in Bitcoin. But have at it. I mean, if you like the idea, have at it. I'm just not really good at it, okay? Uh, any thoughts on Constellation increasing stake? Okay, there, I explained that, right? It's a bullish thing. We'll see how the market reacts to it, uh, Nick. And if the market really reacts to it well, we might be adding to that position, okay? I mean, we might make it a 2x position. Any thoughts on TAP and Bud eventually becoming involved in cannabis? Tech monkey. Um, you know, I think, um, I think Bud is involved. Who are they involved with? I can't remember right now. They've got a piece of somebody. I can't remember. I, you know, I think everyone's waiting to see if Constellation can, you know, turn a profit on this thing. If they can, then I think that's probably, there's probably a good chance that that'll happen. But I think t TAP is Molson, right? Molson had, a, had exposure to Hexo. So, you know, a couple of these guys have been burned on some of their exposure. Somebody's got to tell me in this, in this chat right now who Anheuser-Busch has got a piece of. Is it, is it, um, is it Aurora? I mean, they've got a piece of somebody. I just can't remember who it is. So I do think there'll be more aggressive moves into the cannabis space if Constellation can actually turn around Canopy and make it cash flow positive. 
If that happens, yes, I think we'll have to do some research to try to figure out what company would they, would they want to partner with or acquire. But I think it's too early in that game right now. Let's just see if we can make money on Canopy. Um, Mr. Kreisberg, how are you, my friend? Um, bought, you bought, oh, you bought CGC after the close. Exercise, I mean, did I pay too much at 1717? We're going to find out on Monday if you paid too much, but I don't, I suspect you didn't, you know? And it may be down Monday morning. And the first, you know, the first excitement will fade. It'll come down. It'll test. And then if it gives us an entry point, uh, we might be adding to our positions. I mean, we already own it, but we might be adding to it. All right, Albert, um, can you compare team to work competition? Great question. So you're talking about Al- Alsatian. Am I saying that right? Um, uh, and, and, uh, and Slack. It might interest you to know that um, Slack bought technology some years ago from Team, and Team made an investment in Slack. So they work together. They don't compete. They actually, on a, a lot of deals, they close deals, and they're working together on those deals. So I would say Team and Work compete with Microsoft. Okay? That's one way to look at it. And let me tell you, they're, they're eating Microsoft's lunch on a lot of these deals. Microsoft is doing their own thing, and they have that whole team set up with Skype and whatnot. But it really, I, I think we're seeing these two companies, you know, separate themselves from the pack. Uh, Brandon, Brett, you have a Disney, Disney shirt on. <laughs> I do. I've been playing with my daughter today. So this says, my favorite Disney princess calls me daddy. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? I'd like to own Disney stock. I think they're going to announce earnings next week. I'm not going to own it in front of earnings, but I might be interested in buying it on weakness after earnings. I might. We'll have to see. Tim Kennedy, uh, great Kipling poem. Thank you so much for indulging me. I appreciate it. Um, better understand Fed's firepower. Do you think what they've done and said they'll do, do they have the power to put us back to all-time highs if COVID eases up? Tim, honestly, I, I really do. It's very hard to figure out um, how high this can go. I'm, I'm reading stories right now that the market's rebounded and the bond markets are rebounded, and the Fed hasn't bought anything yet, which I find astounding. I'm not sure that's true, but I'm reading that story. If I'm seeing that written about a lot. And if that's true, then think of the firepower they have. They haven't even done anything yet. They just said they were going to do something, which got the market to front run them. So now they don't have to do anything. But that's a put in the market, right? Every time the market starts to look like it's going to implode again, they've got tons of cash to put to work. It's very hard to figure that out. And it's what makes investing right now so difficult. But let me share something with you. Let's say I'll take a look at the S&P. This is very, very important, okay? I can't, this, is, this is incredibly important. Let's take, a, let's take a look back at the market. Um, okay, this is 2008, 2009. Okay, let me, let me blow this up for you. So the market crashed, and then it started to rebound, Okay. 
Now I'm putting this, this green box here because this is kind of where we are right now. So look at 2000. Here's the bottom in, in, 2000, in March. By the way, interestingly enough, in a weird twist of fate, now history seems to repeat itself. In March of 2009, the Fed came out and started quantitative easing for the first time in history. Okay? The market ran up to the moving averages. It took a little time to consolidate. I guarantee you, right in here where my hand is, Every pundit out there was telling you the market's going to go down and retest the low, okay? Every pundit, right? And the market just skyrocketed again. You did not get, you did not get a 10% correction until May of the following year, April 28th, it peaked, and you had a 10% correction, okay? That may answer your question. I know everybody out there says the market has to go back down and retest and all this stuff, but we have more liquidity pledged to the market now than we had in 2009. And in 2009, let me tell you, the world was coming to an end in March. Okay. I don't know if you remember this, and I was in the thick of it. Okay. People were saying, run out to the bank and take all the money you can out of the bank and put it in your mattress. Banks are going to go, you know, broke and, we're going to have a Great Depression and, and runs on banks. None of that happened, okay? But it was insane back then. Nobody thought the market would recover, and Ben Bernanke said we're going to do QE, and no one knew what that meant. And the market did not have a 10% correction for a year and a half or a year and a quarter, okay? So what happens this time? Everyone's going to keep waiting for that major retest. And we might not get a 10% correction, but I don't know how long. Tim, I don't know what the market's going to do. I'm just going to follow our rules. We're going to put money to work. We get stopped out. We'll go to cash. We'll use the risk monitor for our next entry point. But if you're talking philosophically now, you know, the sky is the limit when the Fed's out there with an open checkbook and the government is spending, you know, trillions on stimulus packages. And, and this is all of that is another reason why we're focused on precious metals, right? Because in that world, you know, you're talking about complete debasement of currencies. All right, Brandon, Brett, you're basically saying don't chase gold. Don't chase, but gold went higher. Brandon, I'm, I'm sorry, but that is what I'm saying. I, I, you know, I'm never going to say chase anything on this show. That's not what this show's about. And if you guys are Armour Insiders or, or you're watching me, even you knew we were out there buying gold at the end of March. That was the time to put money to work, right? I, I, I can't honestly come out and say, chase it now. It, just, it would be a, a disservice to you. Um, um, it, it, and it would totally degrade what it is I'm trying to do here. Having said that, I think gold's going a lot higher. I mean, I still have ridiculous exposure in my account. Um, so for people who missed that entry and you're frustrated, what I would say is we need to see weakness that brings us back down to a moving average that you could buy like the 50-day or even the 25-day, which we haven't gotten, or a consolidation up here, some type of a pattern where we can buy it and say this is a reasonable stop loss. Like let's say it makes a big pennant over a four or five-week period. We say, okay, let's buy that pennant. If it breaks it below the pennant, we're out. You see what I'm saying? But right now, I don't, I don't, I can't really tell you what the stop would be that would make any sense. And so I can't recommend adding to it right here. Um, you know, the only thing that hasn't run away yet is silver. You know, 
I mean, take a look at silver just for a second. All right here's um, oops, PS, PSLV, right? Spot physical silver. Whoops. You don't want that. Right. So, you know, silver's not even close to its highs and, and um, Sprott physical gold, you know, is it, is it, you know, at close to new highs. Right. So silver is dramatically underperforming. And, you know, you could argue that you could buy this pennant and sell it if you had to um, at, a, at a decent, you know, a decent stop. You could say, here's your here's your pennant in silver. Okay, you know something like this, right? And you, you could you could buy some silver in here, and if it breaks down out of that pennant, you got to get out because it, it could easily come back down for some crazy reason. But there's a pennant that you could probably give it you know give a shot to, and then you could look at. And I'm just throwing out there Pan American Silver. Well, see, that stock's not even down. This is one of the best silver companies, you know big cap silver names, you know, institutional type sponsorship. Um, but that stock's not even down. So I don't know. It's a tough call. I'm going to have to leave it up to you if you don't mind. All right. All right. BTG gold stock going to explode. BTG. What is that? B2 gold corp. All right. I'll take a look at that. I don't know that company. Thanks, Nate. Um, Market going down and gold price going up. Q1. All right, we'll see about that. I'll do some research on that. Thoughts on Kronos? God, you know. Buff Buds. Ah. I struggle with that stock. You know, I hate the management team, and I don't like to invest in companies where I don't like the people who are running it. I think they're making a lot of mistakes. In the meantime, you know, Altria is connected to it. Altria believes in the company. They've got $1.7, $1.8 trillion, billion dollars in cash. Um, but the stock acts poorly. You know, the stock doesn't act right. So I'm not in the stock right now. Better to put on JNUG then, Brandon, asking me about, okay, I don't, is that a triple? I don't ever recommend buying um, um, three times of anything. Please, please don't don't mess with three times of anything unless you're day trading it, but you're losing so much value. And after what we just saw happen to USO, these type of ETFs, you don't even know what you own in these things. You've got futures. You've got options. They're rolling. I mean, just stay away from that stuff, man. It, it's not even – look at the way the stock's trading. It's ridiculous. This is the junior gold, right? Look at where the stock is trading. Junior Golds. Now, GDXJ, the juniors are up here. So why is JNUG flatlining? Why is that flatlining? I submit to you it's not a real asset. I, look, I don't know. You do whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want. But there's something totally unkosher about that setup. Something's not kosher about that. I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't mess with that stuff. Better to do research and find small cap gold stocks that have quality high grade finds and put some money in those. Some of them are 75 cents, $2, $3. Right? Um, what do you think of Barrick and the Papua New Guinea? Michael D., thank you for asking me that question. That's precisely why I don't own Barrick. 
See, to me, Barrick and Newmont are the same investment. And so I would just rather put that capital into Newmont because Newmont's focused on North American assets, Australian assets, places where I believe rule of law and governments uh, will do the right thing. Okay. And then Papua New Guinea says maybe they're not going to give them a lease. This is precisely the problem with some of the properties. Now, having said that, I'm not telling you to sell Barrick. I mean, I think it's a great company, Barrick. I think it's a great company. And I think no doubt the stock's going higher with all the other gold stocks right now. But if gold gets above $3,000 an ounce quickly and silver's above 50 and things are going berserk, I want to make sure all of my investments are in countries where I believe the rule of law will prevail. That's all I'm saying. So at the moment, there's nothing wrong with Barrick. If you own it, it's a great company. And I wish I could buy it. I, I like the company. But I just think to myself, for my Barrick money, eh, I'd rather buy Newmont. That's just me. Okay? Um, Nick. Um, okay. What should be a bull entry point sign for Kronos? Nick, let's just see if we can make money in, in you know, Canopy. If we can, then I'll, you know, I'll think about getting, you know, getting into to, to Kronos. But it's not acting. It's of the three stocks that I like, which is Kronos, I mean, Canopy, Afria, and Kronos. Kronos acts the poorest. You know, my bull entry point is when they announce the CEO has been fired and they're putting somebody else in their place. Um, and uh, thank you so much, Ms. Johansson. You like that email about the different chart patterns. Uh, anybody who's a subscriber to the Armor uh, uh, um, Action Alerts, it's a free subscription. You can go to the website, armorreport.com and sign up. I sent out uh, an email with three of our favorite chart patterns. Um, is Gilead worthy of the buy now, in your opinion? Um, you already have some shares, but maybe interested in buying more. Um, I, 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 do, I do think the stock, you know, look, I'm not telling, and maybe we should talk about this. I know you're a subscriber, Anson, but maybe we should talk about this offline in the Slack room or give me a call because um, I don't like to make a recommendation of a buy on a YouTube channel when I don't know everybody who's listening. Um, um, but if you've earned the right to take the risk, I think it makes sense to own the stock here. Uh, and you use the 50-day moving average as your stop. Okay, what are your views on retail apparel and cruise lines? Mr. Mahal, thank you for asking that question. Um, later in the cycle, um, there's nothing wrong with these companies, but I'm focusing my money, and I consider this an opportunity cost of money question. I like to focus on the strongest parts of the market first, make money there, and maybe I cycle into those names at some other point. So I'm not buying any of the COVID crushed names right now. I'm focusing on companies that are killing it, uh, even in this environment, you know, uh, what I call dynamic growth stocks, disruptive growth stocks. Um, Let's see. FDA, um, uh, Mr. Kreisberg, FDA took um, Epidiolex off the controlled substance list. Maybe the FDA will be warming up to relaxing classifications. That would be interesting. FDA, yeah, I saw that announcement. That was, that was important. That was important. Yeah. I haven't looked at that stock recently. Maybe we should again. 
I don't see any entry point here, though. All right. Um, oh, thank you, Erez. Thank you. That's right. Anheuser-Busch has got a piece of Telray. Thank you. God, it was driving me crazy. I couldn't remember it. Oh, great. Alexander, you bought How to Make Money in Stocks. It's a great book. William O'Neill wrote it decades ago, and it's really the Bible for me. Um, they use weekly candles on their charts. Question, what's better for long-term investing, daily or weekly? Um, I, I use both, okay? I use both, but I think that um, I think that weekly is too late often. Stocks are up too much when you wait for the end of the week. So I focus on daily charts more than weekly, but I look for weekly charts to show me structure, right? It helps me see, you know, big rectangles. It helps me see, you know, clear cup and handle patterns. But I, I, I kind of stay most of the time in daily charts that go back one year or five year, okay? Tech Monkey, I'm a beginner. Do you think uh, Apple might be a good buy on weakness? Um, okay. Stock splits don't put stocks up. So don't ever buy something because you're hoping for a stock split. Okay. That, that's not, that's not a reason to buy a stock. Um, I know that the, the philosophy behind that is they split the stock and then more people can buy it because it's cheaper. But if you look at a large body of evidence and do research, stock splits at the end of the day, aren't, aren't really going to help you. You know, I, I imagine it would help somebody like Amazon because it's $2,000 stock. And if they split it, that'd be nice. But Normally, it doesn't put a stock up. Um, I don't know. I kind of liked Apple's earnings announcement. I thought that was a pretty good report. I don't own Apple. It's, it's never a stock that I really focus on, um, but I thought it was a decent number. So something to think about for sure. New York Jets. I love it. Can you, uh, can you look at YANG? It's been up two days in a row. Okay, YANG. Okay, well, there's another problem, okay? I don't, I don't get involved in anything that's 3X. If it says 3X by it, they have to use too much futures and options to create the instrument, and it does not perform the way you think, except for in very short periods of time. So if you're asking me about day trading, I mean, go ahead and have at it, but I would never hold one of these assets overnight because you're just losing money literally every day because of futures and options. If you don't understand that, then you, you got to do some research on futures and options, okay? The time value is constantly deteriorating. Um, and if your question is, should you be shorting Chinese stocks, there might be value in that idea, but let's don't be greedy and do something that's, you know, three times. Let's just find a normal, you know, one-to-one -one asset and short it if you want, okay? It's just a question. You, you come here and you watch this because this is about – you know, algorithmic risk management research. And I'm just telling you, there's no way to manage the risk in a 3X position. All right. You, oh, Brandon, bought a lot of gold in this past week, roughly 55%. Bought up a lot of gold. Well, good for you, man. Good for you. If you took, if you took some action on Thursday when, with this total bogus takedown, which I told you was going to happen, and you took advantage of that, well done, man. 20 uh, 20, 20% metal, 35 cent mining. Good for you. Okay. Um, yeah. Mag silver. Well done. Well done. Michael D looks like uh, most of the royalty companies are getting revenue from countries that have no U S dollar swap accounts. 
which royalty companies do you recommend? Um, well, um, you're, you're right, right? I mean, what I said a minute ago was I like companies that have uh, properties that are in um, uh, countries that I feel most confident in. And, and every now and then I dip down into Mexico, but don't believe for a minute I have confidence in Mexico. Um, but you just get the best silver plays in Mexico. So, um, you know, I'm not making any recommendations here. I, I do think that, you know, Wheaton Precious Metals is my favorite one, but I've owned Franco Nevada before and I've owned Royal Gold before. So I like all three of those names um, with the caveat that, you know, they've got some properties and places that not now, guys, not now, but if gold were to explode higher in a short period of time, then we would have to ask ourselves, what do we do with these positions? Now, guess what? You're going to be making a fortune on them. So you, you can go buy any of those names on your own if you want. You're, you're not going to get hurt in those names now. I'm just looking at building a long-term portfolio. And on the off chance that we get an explosive move higher in a short period of time, and some country decides to nationalize their gold mine, I don't want to get caught in that. And this could be ridiculous thinking, by the way. I mean, I, I, I could be way out on a limb there. It, that may never happen. I mean, the statistical chance of that happening is maybe 5%. Like 95% of the time, that's probably not going to happen. But for my money, it's opportunity cost of money. And it's just a question of how I can't own every stock. So I got to figure out which ones I'd rather own. And the way to whittle it down for me is to own the ones where I feel confident in the governments. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, any replays? IIPR. Looking at Blackstone REITs. I'm not buying any REITs right now. I love IIPR, but I do believe that IIPR is going to announce a secondary you know, any day now. And typically when they announce a secondary, the stock drops 10 to 15%, and that's when I have an interest in buying it. If it, the last time they announced a secondary, it was down 15% in the aftermarket, and it was up 5% in the morning, which was kind of crazy. So um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to the stock. And I keep looking at it, Brandon, because I think, should I own a piece now and double it on the news? Maybe. But I just, I had a conversation with the CEO. He said they're going to do a secondary. I can't have that information and then run out and buy the stock and have him announce the secondary and the stock drop 15%. I'll just, I'll just feel, I'll feel stupid. It's just like, I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to offend. I just mean, because by the way, I could be wrong. The stock might go up to 100 and then he announces the secondary. So you'll be right in owning it now. I, I, just, I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. Um, Mr. Jet, I hope we have a, a, a football. All right. You followed that at the end of the month. Brilliant. All right, guys, we're coming to the end of these questions. Thanks so much for asking them. Any last questions, get them in, and then we've got to wrap this up. We're over an hour by now. Um, I'm looking to uh, tech money to continue building more long-term dividend stocks in my portfolio. What are your thoughts on BP? Okay, at some point, I am going to own the big cap oil companies. At some point. I'm not there yet. I think I want to try to apply. Um, these stocks are in big downtrends. Let's take a look at one. Um, I love the question, and I think we're, you're going to be right there. Okay, British Petroleum, right? All right. Um, my favorite one is probably uh, Chevron. Okay, and what I'm looking at, I'm looking for 
Oh, there's not even a pattern there. There's not even a pattern there. Hmm. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what to do with these stocks right now. I'm not buying them right here. Exxon's the other one. You know, at some point, I'm going to want to own those names, but I'm not buying those patterns right here. And I'm not really a big fan of dividend stocks right now. I was a big fan of dividend stocks in January and last year. That's because we were long in the tooth in a bull market, okay, with interest rates going down. Right now, we've just had a bear market crash. The economy's imploded. We're in a recession. Coming out of that, the best stocks to own are disruptive growth stocks. They dramatically outperform dividend payers. And then later in the cycle, you book some of your profits on those disruptive growth and you roll it into dividend after we're into a bull market that's been running for a while. And you reduce your risk, roll it into your, your dividend payers. That's how I'm going to be playing it. All right. Um, I am in Sandstrom MTA. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's a question there, my friend. Um, Eli, are you talking about Callaway Golf? Okay, interesting. All right, guys, thanks so much for spending time with me Saturday. I really love uh, having these conversations. It helps order my thinking. I look forward to seeing you guys uh, on Monday. We'll do another Armor Education video and go over more charts because there seems to be a lot of questions about charting and analysis and finding the right entry points. So we did one Monday. I'll do another one for you um, this Monday. Okay. So I'll see you guys there 4.30 tomorrow or Monday. Um, and uh, I guess that's it. If you guys have enjoyed this, don't forget, give me a thumbs up. Ask me any questions in the comments section. That helps me out too, right? Build up some comments. For some reason, YouTube loves that. And I'd be more than happy to answer questions. All right, guys, take care. Have a good weekend.